Welcome to my podcast, Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. Inspiring conversations with ordinary people leading extraordinary lives. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We strive to be entertaining, inspiring, and educational. My guest today is the lovely Helen Martin. Helen is a former fashion model, experienced television actress, spokeswoman, fashion consultant, and published writer. She has served as style editor and feature writer for today's Dallas Woman magazine and has been the fashion host for several TV shows. As a top high fashion model, Ms. Martin has appeared in dozens of designer shows. I will name just a few from the long list. Christian Dior, Balenciaga, Yves Saint Laurent, Armani, Chanel, and Givenchy. Helen includes in her extensive resume the Midwest fashion director of three Chicago area Neiman Market stores. Helen's website, Helen Martin Style, is dedicated to every woman who demands to be master of her universe, who understands the meaning of claiming your space, having the confidence to walk into a room and know you look fabulous. Looking good and creating your own style frees you up to be bold, to take risks, to relax and enjoy the moment. Hi, Helen. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Janine. It's wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you, Janine. It's great to be here. That was a wonderful introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. You have uh, a pretty amazing life, and uh, I could have gone on and on, but I, I had to. I had to cut it short. <laughs> um, you have created a pretty fascinating, adventurous life for yourself. And I thought it would be inspiring for our listeners for you to kind of share how you, you know, how you became a fashion model. You're an author also now. You've got a, a book of essays coming out that we'll talk about. Um, you know, how, how did you begin and be inspired to, to move in this direction? Well, I think it all began because I was born and raised in a small town in Illinois. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was a glorious childhood. Uh, my my parents were first generation. My parents are Italian. Mm -hmm. So it was an an amazing time as a child because there was so much singing with, with my mother. She was very, very creative. And, and my dad was tall and handsome. And as a child growing up, I would watch my mother in her sewing room as she uh, put together these incredible outfits that, that she wore. And I loved that. And then as we were growing up, um, my sisters would wait at the bottom of the stairs when my mom and dad were getting ready to go out and watch them come down the stairs. You're so elegant and beautiful, my mother in a satin dress. And if there was dancing, <laughs> she would have a, a wonderful skirt uh, that was detachable so she could dance. And my dad, handsome and beautiful. And when they when they left, when they would get in the car and wave to us, it was like two movie stars. And my mother's friends, in those times, everybody copied movie stars, Janine. Mm -hmm. They just, when they went to the movies, and those gorgeous black and white, what oh, wonderful, gla glamorous movies. I was um, drawn to, to fashion in, in, in that way. I was in high school and we had designed and made outfits to be worn. I don't even know if they have home ec anymore, do they? Home economics? I no. think they do actually, yeah. I, oh, I, I think they do. That's <laughs> I, good. I remember home economics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh there, there was one semester was cooking and another mm -hmm. semester was sewing mm -hmm. so we, we cut we cut our designs tissue and I remember mine so well because it was pivotal uh when I um I'm sorry I have a little al allergy here in Texas so mm -hmm. uh, I know it's 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 like a thing happening go going on anyway 
there were about 10 of us that survived this. That, that means we finished making our garments. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, we just have a fashion show. And none of us knew what that We'd never been to one. Mm-hmm. And there was no rehearsal. There were just, here's your outfit. And I had a wonderful brown tweed waistcoat. So it would be a vest. Mm-hmm. And then I had a, a skirt with a big pleat and pockets. So we got a nice white blouse with it. And uh, she said her directions for the show, Miss Erin Hart, were, um, okay, so when the music starts, just go out, go out there and walk around the stage and come back. (laughs) That was our rehearsal. Wow. Uh, I was backstage and uh, ready to go. And, of course, family and friends were there. And I walked out on stage and... um, I had a spotlight. I went, whoa. And I modeled that outfit. So it's just a thing that, you know, I had seen it obviously somewhere. I'd watched it on television, but I put my hands in my pockets. I moved, I, I twirled, I opened a couple of, of buttons and and walked off. And uh, after the show, my teacher came to my mom and dad, uh, we talked about the show, and Miss Erin Hart said to my parents, your daughter should be a fashion model. And my my mother, of course, got it. She's very creative. She, yes, I think that's a great idea. My dad, of course, didn't. <laughs> he, he's thinking, wait a minute, what about a teacher? What about a nurse? That kind of thing, you know. And so it never left me. That moment never left me. And that's when I started researching where I could go to school uh, when I graduated high school to become a fashion model. My friend and I, my darling friend, wanted to be an airline steward. So this is like two girls from a small town that, uh, you know, wanted something different. I did not want to get married and have children. I, I, you know, that was not not what I wanted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it sounds like your first, uh, your first foray onto the runway there got you hooked. <laughs> it did. It did. I went, wow, this is very cool. It did get, get me hooked. I wanted more of it. it. It's just like an actor that keeps going back. I mean, they're, they, it's because of that moment, that moment of truth. That, that you get on stage in a film, in a moment that you're hitting the runway and you connect with the audience. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And that got me going. It got me going. And then, uh, of course, I wanted to go directly to New York. And my dad said, no, <laughs> uh, Chicago would be fine. My dad would take mom shopping on Michigan Avenue to Chicago. So that, that sounded right for him. So I, I worked and saved my money in my little town. And do you want me to go on with this? Is this too detailed? No, I think it's great. Did you end up going to college or because you said you were looking for places to learn how to how to be a fashion model? I'm oh, not sure I, there are any, are there? <laughs> oh, there are. There oh. are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing Beyonce does say that when she's got the next top model, she does say, you have to have training. I do, you know, it's not that you're cute and you're darling. You do have to have training. Right. Um, it's a little different now how they teach it. Uh, but as far as schools go, it, it's more of a, it's training. Like mm-hmm. I'm at KD Conservatory and KD Studio in Dallas. I was with Kim Dawson Agency for years as a runway model and a print model. And they opened a school called KD Studio, and that's where I'm working part-time. And we have training. It's called Fashion Dimension. And young girls having an incredible fashion show after eight, eight weeks of training. So, yeah, it's still out there. It's still out there. And especially in, in, in photography, because you don't have words to express yourself. Mm-hmm. You have facial expressions, and every look has to be a moment, and every, every look has to be an expression. So we did Chicago. We went to Chicago, and 
at that time, it was Patricia Stevens modeling and finishing school. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I worked in my little hometown, saved, saved my money and um, got accepted. And it was really quite intense. I would, uh, I got a job, in, uh, you know, dur- during the day and at night. We did our runway print and modeling. We learned fencing. Uh, I really learned everything about wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the basic black, how, how you dress, style, and image. I learned importance of accessories. That was the beginning. Uh, through through my mother's inspiration and then the nitty gritty of of the fashion in industry. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you are a natural at this. Well, I loved it. I loved it, and I loved it for 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 years. Mm-hmm. And I moved on. I became a freelance model in Chicago after working on Michigan Avenue, Blum's Vogue. And at that time, in fact, they don't do it uh, like that a- anymore, but it was extraordinary. Uh, they hired store models. So I-, I was, you know, Blum's Vogue store model. And my friend worked at Bonwood Teller. My uh, other friend worked at Saks. And that's where I learned to wear incredible clothes. I had never had a $1,000 dress on. <laughs> and I wanted an to be with an agency and they said I was too exotic because the print and broadcast in, in Chicago was all about commercial print and uh, te- television commercials and I was too exotic for them. So they said Blum's Vogue is looking for a house mm-hmm. model. So I walked across the street to Blum's and it's just like how to marry a millionaire. There was a big long runway, and on the couture floor where customers came, and then a model, house model or two, would show the collection. He brought out a gown, and it was a Galanos mm-hmm. gown. And since then, of course, I've worked many, many shows for Galanos. Stanley Marcus called him the top. American designer, and there were a lot. There are a lot of top American designers, but he called Galanos the top. So then I, I tried that on, and then I knew what couture meant. I was in another world, and it's of couture. So that's that's where that all happened. Then I started being photographed um i was in the paper and then the agency that turned me down then called and said by the way i'd like to have you come in and then you know i became one of their top models <laughs> it was an extraordinary experience and victor skrimneski i always wanted to be a print model which is totally different than runway but was fortunate to be successful mm-hmm. in both disciplines wow it really is another world, isn't it? I mean, I've I've done some, certainly not anywhere to the extent that you have, but I I've had an agent and I've done some print work and I I did some you know local runway work when I was younger. You know and... what it all means? It's very disciplined. It, it's still mm-hmm. disciplined, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I still have some pictures of myself from some print work you know, up yes, in the house, exactly. and people yeah. look at it and they go, "Is that you?" <laughs> like, yep, that's me. <laughs> Do not ever get rid of those pictures. That is your life. That is that's archival for you. I have my photos up in, in my office, and they're all mm-hmm. black and white because I love black and white, and they're extraordinary fo- photographs. And I and I'm blonde now because I'm no because. I'm really not. I have gray hair, but I'm not going that way. <laughs> I'm not going that way. So when when I did try to go that way, uh, the hairdresser is, is like lo- looking at my face in the mirror and he goes, okay, Helen, you're not ready. So he left it like he took it off or something. And I, I've been blonde ever since. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, my sister is it, it has beautiful white hair, 
and it's so gorgeous and it looks so good on her. But I just, I, I like my red. I just, I just can't do it yet. I don't know well, if I ever will. It's lovely with, with your skin. I love it too. I love it too. I love red. I thought about going red, but you know, but you, you look great. Yeah. Well, and, and my sister was a natural red. She, we used to call oh, her carrot no, top. That's so cool. <laughs> well, you know, that's so funny because I have a sister that's younger than I am that has beautiful white hair, beautiful white hair. It's just how you see yourself. You just So I would imagine that you've traveled a lot. Um, have you lived I in have. different parts of the world? And No, mostly it was traveling. Mm -hmm. Mostly I traveled. I, of course, always travel to Italy because, um, you know, you can never get enough. No, that. absolutely not. <laughs> While I was, and I don't even know if they have this in anymore. I don't, I'm sure they wouldn't ever call it this. They had um, for men only shops during Christmas. Mm. So, you know, it was all a slow time for we freelance models. So, you know, whoever could snag a job like that, it was like, you know, the whole month of December. Mm -hmm. And I always worked for downtown Marshall Field in the 28 shop. It was called for men only. And only men were allowed, and it was all things for women in there. It's guys coming in, buying for their wives, their girlfriends, their mistresses, whatever they were there mm -hmm. buying for. And one day, this Texan came in. <laughs> there were two of us working, and, and my friend said, God, that guy's so cute over there. He has such a great smile. And I didn't think, I mean, he, he was, you know, he was okay. <laughs> but... Yeah, that, that was how I eventually got to Dallas, Texas. Yeah, he uh, said, what's that thing you have on? I had on a red peignoir, like a satin, you know, like a, a night, nightgown. I'm in this, this shop. And it's like, oh, my God. I said, it's called a peignoir. And he, he didn't think too, too much of that. And he spotted a bathing suit on the wall and he said if you try that on i'll buy it i went oh dear god why who is this person so not cool and sophisticated all guys i date so of course i said we don't try suits on and uh, a little while later my manager came over and said this gentleman would like to have you try your bathing suit of course i had crazy eyes looking at her and she just had her manager eyes on and she said, okay, thanks, Helen. Um, I'll get the suit for you. And I tried it on and you know, I worked that suit. I grabbed a fur and worked that suit. <laughs> so I eventually married him and moved to Dallas because he wrote to me and he was going on an adventure to, sorry, to Alaska. And I thought, my gosh that's so exciting and that's how it started he's a hunter and an explorer and we traveled all over the world and so it was it was an amazing amazing life and when i moved to dallas i thought i was just going to be this, this you know i was going to retire from modeling um, pauline treasure I, I was one of her muses on seventh avenue you know designing her collection on us because she called the fashion office and said, there's a model hiding out in Dallas and I need her for the collection. You know, I need her for the show. And um, of course I couldn't turn that down. How could I turn that down? No, I wouldn't. No. No, would you? Of course not. So I went to Neiman's and of course I, I fit the show. The girl at Neiman's said, I've signed you up with Kim Dawson. And that's how I started this whole second life of my runway and print in Dallas, Texas with Kim Dawson agents. Mm -hmm. So that sounds like it kind of fell in your lap. It did. It did. And, you know, and I tell my students at work at, at the office, like they'll say, well, you know, I sent my resume and I sent my pictures to the agent. This is an acting mm -hmm. school, so it's acting. 
and I haven't heard anything and I go crying a river, you know, I said, I did not get signed with an agent until I worked and they saw my pictures. I said, when I got to Dallas, Texas, I had already paid my dues, <laughs> had already done it. But it was it was extraordinary because Camp Dawson was amazing. She she's deceased now. Her daughter Lisa is head of the agency, mm -hmm. and uh, I love my students. And I just tell them, you know, maybe you need new pictures. Maybe you need new pictures. Have you been out working? Have you been out getting some jobs on on your own? So maybe they can see you, especially in plays. And the agents go to those shows because they have clients working. In them. Mm -hmm. Now, many times that spotted, oh, I saw this great talent. He was in the, you know, the um, set, second act and played, uh, played Joe. And that's, that's how the business works. It's networking. And you have to be out there in, in acting and in filmmaking. We have three degrees. You have to be out there. You have to learn you know, how to do it. And I have fi filmmakers. I mean, it's so, so tough. But remember, who's going to put money in your film and why and why should they? Mm. Can you articulate the reason that? So we, we have a great conservatory at KD Conservatory. It's extraordinary because we offer three degrees. And, and then we offer modeling as well in runway and for our young, our young people. Well, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun. Um, what, what would you say is your most memorable piece that you've modeled in your career? Do you have like some favorites or do you have a favorite designer? Oh, that's such a good question. I've been through that over and over in my head. I think the Balenciaga gown, and I have a picture of that, the Balenciaga gown that, that I modeled for the import show, all the buyers would go to Paris to buy the collection mm -hmm. and they would go with models in mind. So mm -hmm. Catherine had, you know, Helen in mind for this and Sarah in mind for that, and they would buy for you. So I, I, I remember this one Balenciaga gown that, that, that came in and, uh, you know, they pulled it out and, and I put it on. It was just extraordinary. It was a uh, it was a black, full full skirted and very very tight bodice. Uh, I just uh, remember Balenciaga being so extraordinary. Helen, I was thinking perhaps you might have some good runway stories that you can share with our audience. Oh my goodness. Well, um, there are just so many great, great shows that we did. I, I remember uh, one especially, um, or maybe more than that. Well, besides losing your, your shoe on, uh, on the runway. <laughs> and, did you do that? Did you lose yes. your shoe on the runway? Okay. So what did you do? How did you recover? Well, I just kept walking and I did a triple turn with barefoot, one, one foot, turned around, and this gal in the audience just got up and handed it up to me, and I put it on, and I got a hand and walked off. What, that, how graceful, how graceful. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> so I have to ask, so you had, I, I assume you had heels on, um, oh. so you're barefoot, were you walking on tippy-toe to, you know, to keep up with the other heel? Well, what happened is I just bent down and pulled it off the uh, other one and held it in my hand to figure out if I was going to leave the area with one shoe or if I was going to go back and pick it up. I had to, you know, because the last thing I want to do is go pick it up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. So it sounds like you were very graceful under pressure and under fire because you have to be in the moment, don't you? And you have to in the, in the moment. I it's all live and it's uh, and they can't do a reshoot, you know. So <laughs> it was. So I just waited for a moment, did a turn, and you're you know collecting yourself. You have all, all you're thinking about is I have to get back there and change for my next one. You mm -hmm. know, that's all mm -hmm. you're thinking. 
Mm-hmm. So, and then, but this lady picked it up and that was, uh, yeah, and I just put them on and it was great. So I had help, you know, another one I, I remember so well is I was in a bathing suit uh, scene and uh, I had taken a little too long, I guess, to get dressed and I, and I came out to go on and um, I, I stopped and looked out to the audience and, and I saw my colleagues in bathing suits on the runway where I was supposed to be. Mm. So this gal said, um, Helen, they're already doing your run. And she said, why don't you just go out there through the audience and just go up on the runway, which was insanity to suggest that. <laughs> and I did it. Of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, you know, if Stanley Marcus, whom I love with my own whole heart and think he's just such an honorable, wonderful man, you know, if he had said, okay, now, Helen, for the finale, I want you to go up on the roof and do a swan dive from the top of Neiman Marcus downtown and we'll have a nice net waiting. I would have done it. (laughs) So I walked out through the audience, you know, just trying to, you know, like make them think I'm informal modeling, which mm-hmm. was, which I wasn't. I was racing to get, and I hit the middle of the runway. Well, I had to get up there, right? So oh, I'm, yes, because it's higher so, than the floor. Higher, mm-hmm. So I just, you know, threw one leg over and got up and stood up and ended the finale where I was supposed to be. I don't know. And then when I came, got back, they said, I can't believe you did that. How you that? That would be a good idea. And then, of course, it's always just wonderful to have people like oh, Carl Lagerfeld and a show, you know, that's getting you ready to go. This is this is just being with top designers, which makes it so incredible. And the shows that I just talked about mm-hmm. are generally what we call retail. So it's generally in a big formal ballroom and Neiman Marcus is putting it on or Marshall Fields or Saks Fifth Avenue. Mm -hmm. And they're all different designers, hence the bathing suit scene. When a designer, like I did a designer show for, uh, well, so many of them, but one I remember at the Majestic Theater, which we didn't do that often in Dallas, it was a Carl Lagerfeld show. He was waiting for us to go on and making sure last minute we were gorgeous. And he's just, they're, they're so professional. The top, top people are always professional. And he, you know, thanked me and looks in my eyes and says, I'm so happy you're in my clothes. Thanks you out. But those are the kinds of people you love. Another one, another favorite designer of mine was uh, Oscar de la Renta. Mm-hmm. Oscar de la Renta is such a gentleman and so charming and so old world. Mm. You know, he, he would come out and he'd go, okay, and he'd clap, he'd go, let's go, girls. You know, and we would go out and do this fabulous show because, you know, we all wanted to jump on him and hug him and kiss him. So that's, but I loved him as, as a person. I thought he Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's neat. So, so I would assume that that the designers that you you really liked as a person that you admired and enjoyed being around that that you'd have more of a desire to really do well out there and please them. And of course, of course, you want, because they just they were so happy you were in in their clothes, and they were you really you know, did, did your job. And uh, it was a very, very, very professional work. And you could do, you know, a couple of shows a day. You could, uh, in between, you'd be doing a photo shoot or you'd be doing a TV spot. But always with these designers, because they're so incredible and such geniuses. When they were around, people like that were around, you just did your best always. Mm-hmm. You know, people like Yves Saint Laurent, Valentino, these are giants in the in industry and they just walk 
walk by you and, you and you're like, you know, poised and beautiful and darling. <laughs> never, never, ever have any look on your face that will even suggest that you're not comfortable in their clothes. Uh-huh, yes. uh-huh. So speaking of their clothes, you've told us the designers that you like uh, personality wise. What about um, their clothing line? Who did you, whose clothes did you really resonate with? I think, well, and I also loved him, too. So I guess it's all in the same category. I love James Galanos. Mm-hmm. I think James Galanos is an incredible, he's a genius. I mean, you can hang his clothes on 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 the wall. They're art form. And mm-hmm. he, he, he was incredible. I, lo- I love his clothes. I love Yves Saint Laurent. Yves Saint Laurent's clothes are his, you know, when he came out with the tuxedo mm-hmm. and... Uh, Pauline Trager, her capes were in, in, incredible. I lo- you know, I love Donna Karen, and she was so sweet because Donna Karen is the one that gave us back our bodies after that horrible debacle with the the business suit with the tie thing. Everybody was wearing tie and power suits, and uh, but not feminine. She came out with power suits that were very fe- feminine, and she she's very sharp. She's very She's very smart. Mm-hmm. There were a few that you don't, um, you know, you don't have that much respect for, but you just do the job. Um, but mo- but as I said, all the top designers, it's just like top fashion photographers. They're all so professional. They're kind. They're sweet. And they appreciate you. So you just appreciate each other. It's... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would imagine that th- that has a lot to do with how they got to be the top designers. They didn't, they didn't yeah. get there by being assholes. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And um, that and that can happen. I never forget. Um, gosh, why can't I think of her name? Oh, that's not very good. I will th- think of it. And we were doing a show for her at Neiman's. And, you know, our whole thing back then uh, was still the 70s and 80s and even 90s. We were still still in pantyhose. I mean, we would never put a designer dress on without hochery. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, Roan, R-O-H-E-N, I believe her last name was, was doing a show at Neiman's and we were all, you know, getting ready to go and we all looked at her and she had this her fabulous suit on and she was bare legged. Mm. And it was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then of course everybody stripped their hosiery off. And uh and then from then I mean that was one of the first times I I knew that what was coming, bare leg is okay. So you know, I was thinking this uh, Balenciaga dress that you uh, loved so much, and you said you have a picture of it. Is that uh, is it in digital format at all? Is it in digital format? No. In fact, what I'm doing th- this weekend is trying to get my pictures together that I will put in um, in my book. I'm not sure I'm going to put that one in it, but I. Do have it, and uh, I should put it in my uh, on my website. I don't have that particular one in there. I, I have mostly uh, photographs that were later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking it would be fun since you've talked about it. If if you scanned it in and uh, made a JPEG out of it, and if we put it on the podcast website just so people could see it, it might be fun. Gosh, if I can just get it done in time. (laughs) (laughs) We can always Uh, add it later, too. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll make a note of that. That would be a great idea. Yeah, it just struck me that that would be very fun. Okay, all right. I've got that noted. I'm I'm looking, uh, tomorrow I'm going to to my storage to go uh, through my pictures. I have to select three i'm just doing three three or four because it's it's a book of essays there'll be a lot of di- different pieces 
So uh, I will certainly try to see if that's in the group I'll be looking at, and then I will scan it. Oh, great. That'll be awesome. So let's talk about your book of essays. Does it have a title yet? It does. It's called High Fashion, High Adventure. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I just saw the cover, uh, the first mock-up of, of the cover. I'm, I'm very excited. It's my first book. You know, I've been published by many articles. Not many. I have several, several dozen articles that have been published in essays, but this will be my first book. So to see your book, when he sent that book to me and, and he sent the mock-up and it showed the shot that I had chosen, and the name of the book and the title and then the back cover, I just really had, I don't know, I was, wow, I, I couldn't I couldn't look at it because it's, it's something I've dreamed of so long to have a book, you know, that I could hold in my hand because I love books. I have so many and it was quite, quite, quite astonishing when I just saw the mock-up. So. I can imagine. I mean, how long have you been working on this? I've been working on this book for the, the essays for two years. Mm -hmm. And then my book of memoirs that will come out later, I've been working on that the, the same amount of time, but just really diligently the last six months on, on the memoir. The essays book ha, ha, has been finished for a while. So it just takes so long. I just want to tell your lit listeners it's thinking about writing add I don't care add a year to what you think <laughs> is going to do you're going to be finished that sounds like almost any project <laughs> well, it does doesn't it it does it just and I, I you know I modeled for so long and I I could do five jobs a day wow I, I could do a fitting I would do a could do a rehearsal. I could do a shot. I could do a go see. I could get that all done. And in Chicago, you had public transportation. In Dallas, of course, I it, it was a car or or I would get a driver. That's why I you know I never had to diet because you're working <laughs> so never had to diet. But let me tell you, the hardest thing I've ever done is is right mm -hmm. that is just so different you know so different now what what about that was difficult is it the discipline or just getting the ideas or no the ideas well i i answered that very, very quickly it's the discipline mm -hmm. and uh it's it's the d discipline to rewrite to not fall in love with your words <laughs> and uh writing is rewriting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But discipline is, is the hardest. There's no such thing as waiting for inspiration. That is, it won't come. It only comes when you sit in front of, I sit in, uh, in, in front of my computer mm -hmm. and I start writing and it's, it is a, um, it's magical. It's magical because you write and write and then your subconscious takes over and you are writing and then when when you go to that zone, it's so wonderful because then you look back and you go, oh, my gosh, I wrote three paragraphs with such ease. Then I will go to the next and the next. And it's but you just have to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I'm saying this because I'm talking to myself. Right. Oh, I'm absolutely. Saying. I understand that as a life coach. I get that. <laughs> We're, we're, you get yes. that as, as a life yes. coach. And, my, and my, my Dawn, who is an extraordinary coach as well, she's given me so many uh, principles and disciplines to work by. And I just fall down, Miss Janine. I fall down. I go, oh, I can't believe that I'm not doing it. Because the right, you have to write it. And also, I've started... I've started fiction. Mm. Do you write fiction? No, you know, I've been told 
for so many years that I should write a, a book. And I just, um, yeah. it, it just hasn't appealed to me. And I think that's why I'm doing the podcast instead of writing a book. Yeah. Well, this is so creative, what you're doing. This is incredible. It's, you know, it's so much fun. It's, it, it gets me out of myself. It puts me in another world. I, I'm connecting with so many wonderful people. Um, and everybody, you know, has a story to tell. There's, there's so much inspiration. And in today's world where people are, are scared of what's going to happen next. And, um, you know, there's just so much dysfunction, I'll call it going on (laughs) that, um, that, that everyone I think needs, needs uplifting. Everyone needs to be inspired and, um, give a little push, you know, and for me, Luckily, I'm I am pretty disciplined. I I had an aromatherapy company, <clears throat> excuse me, for years, and was always a bit of an entrepreneur. Oh, yes. I found that, like with the podcast, I upload every two weeks, and I I have my schedule, and I you know I keep to it, and I don't have anybody to answer to except myself. But it sure. it keeps me, you know. It's I think it's good to have a schedule of some sort. It's so wonderful. You have to, you have to. Um, I, uh, Dawn has been incredible. And I could not do, I mean, her life coach skills, just as, as you have her skills that she shares with me and lets me know that I've got it. Mm -hmm. I and I believe her, and I um, I count on her. So it's important to have a coach like that. Important to have uh, so, someone that that stands with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and absolutely. She has really, really helped me. And the most exciting part is that she um, introduced me to you as I well. Know. I know. And for those who maybe haven't listened yet to, I think it's two episodes ago, uh, Don, I know her as Zigzag. It's so hard for me to call her Don. Uh, Don Montefusco yeah. has been on the podcast and uh, yeah. it was a lot of fun talking to her. She's, she, she's amazing. So inspirational. When I looked at my, at my book, and I haven't even, you know, imagine what's going to happen with my big book. I'll probably, they'll have to take me to the hospital. But <laughs> this book, I, I looked at it and I, and I told her and she said, Helen, it's called Resistance. Mm-hmm. I knew that. It's called Resistance to Failure or Resistance to Success. We all go through that, you know. And, and I knew it when she said it. But when she said it, then I felt that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did you push your way through that? I, oh my goodness, that is that, that is very very good. I said that my family wants me to get these books out. I don't have children. I cannot. I want this these words that I have to tell. I want these stories to be out there. I it just I I, I want it there, and I just have to keep going. I'm, I don't even know if I'm a- answering no, that. You are. So you must have, I would assume, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that you had to discipline yourself in some way to to get this done. Again, I had to discipline myself again, which means getting all, all, all your pages ready, getting the photographs out, getting blurbs. You're asking these people that you love and you've known for years uh, for blurbs, and it's so easy. They love it, and they say, "Of course, I want to do that." These editors and so on—they're sending me incredible information. That's what keeps me going because now, now I have, an, and I always say, once you start telling people what you're doing, then it's out there. So you can't. You, what? I'm going to look foolish. I'm not going to finish this. I have these people that are sending me these wonderful blurbs about, you know, my writing and how people should read my book. So that's what is now flowing around me is all of that uh, acknowledgement from these people that I've known for so long in different areas. And now they're 
acknowledging me in, in, in my writing, and that is caressing and, and loving. And that's, that's where I am now. So it's a very good place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like it's you're pretty close to having it published. I am. I am. It's just, now, I, and you know what? I figured out now it's me again. I have to get the pictures done. I have to. We always go. It's up to me to get this done. So, who's going to choose them? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Me. They're waiting, so I have to do it. <laughs> right. Right. So, when you found it uh, difficult to. To, to write did you put yourself on a schedule or like how what might be one or two things that that would help someone who's thinking of of writing a, a book from from the writer's perspective because I've asked Dawn this too but but from your perspective what would you say would be the most helpful for someone who is thinking of writing a book thinks maybe they should but eh, you know I think that um you just can't do it. You have to have a schedule. I write in the morning, and I I can I can still find excuses not to write. You don't have to write that long. If you write an hour, it's okay. But you you were writing that day, and maybe you'll write mm-hmm. two hours the next day or three hours or. Even if you get a fantastic, and you know what it is, just to get a great paragraph out. I can spend two hours on one paragraph. I do it in the morning because that's when I'm the most, that's, I'm a morning person. So I can okay. do it in, in the morning because I don't work full time. I work part time and I go to, to school at two o'clock in the afternoon, sometimes earlier and sometimes go to 11. And uh, then I have Friday and I fr- Friday off. You have to spend time on research. I think the thing is to just get down there and write and decide, are you, are, are you better at night? Like when you come home from work and, you know, the kids are done and you've got that and you want to write between 10 and 12, then that's when you write, but you have to decide when I'm going to write and mine is in the morning and get up anywhere mm-hmm. between 5 30 and 6 30 every morning a lot of times I you know if I can't sleep I get up and write but I generally am asleep very well generally and uh, I, I get up and um, I will uh, if I get on the computer and start just playing on the computer then I've wasted too much time and I've do that mm-hmm. so I try not to and I try to do the writing because that's when I'm fresh that's when I I'm uh, I, I'm thinking and that's when my creative juices I think are there and that's when I'm relaxed it's quiet and it comes to you you're you're it, it's there it's inside of you it is there all it does is you just write some people don't want to correct themselves as they're writing I do I write a paragraph. I have to perfect it mm-hmm. until my editor sees it. They go, well, that's not perfect. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. Oh, really? I thought I was very clear. <laughs> I know it's interesting when you you always have to take the perspective of someone who doesn't know anything about what you're writing about. <laughs> Well, and I would think that for someone who's really, you know, really has a busy life that even, you know, even if you just take a half an commit half to a hour half hour every fine. day, you it's know, anything, anything. Hour. Are you kidding me? That's fantastic. Congratulations. I've done it. I've done it. Half hour. I've got it in there. I've written something. I always think of Alan King. I can't be ever as disciplined ever, even close. But he says. He has to do it. You know, he does four hours, five hours a day. He said, I have to do it every day because I'm so afraid I'll forget where I was or where that moment took me. And that happens. I mean, I, you know, when I started doing fiction, I just started that and I really like it because I was always afraid of dialogue. Guess Mm -hmm. what? You can make it up. That's what's great. Right. Um, I, I left it 
now because I have to finish the, these two books. But I think to myself, it's a period piece in Spain. And mm. I think about her all, all the time. I, I, I wonder how she made that dinner because her parents don't want her to be a dancer, but she wants, because she comes from an aristocratic family. So I went through all that. But you get involved with with your your characters, and, and I finally felt what he meant. I forget because then I go back, and I, you know I forget. Well, was he standing at the gate when she came out, or was? She, no. And why was he there? He wasn't supposed to be. I forgot that. So that's all very exciting. So what you're saying is, it sounds like that uh, in order to to keep the continuity of the the action in the story, you you can't let it go for too long without you working cannot, on it. You know, or you you shouldn't. You shouldn't. That's why you consistently write, and that's what he means, as far as I can tell. That's what he means. Mm-hmm. He said, "I'm just too afraid to leave it too long. I have to get back to work." Yeah. Uh-huh. So let's see. So you have pretty much two career paths. You have your modeling and your as a model and as a writer. Well, no, now I'm not actively modeling at no. all. No. Right, oh. I I know, but I'm I'm just kind of talking about oh, my your life. life. Yes, I. Do. Oh, sorry. That's okay. And the reason I said that is that I thought it might be nice to have you say if you ha- you were sitting with uh, a young uh-huh. person who really aspires to be a model an actress whatever in that field what would what would be your your sage advice to that person my advice would be my advice would be that um you have to have the passion Mm -hmm. which means it can't be for fame and it can't be for money because I interview mm-hmm. actors all the time. I, I, I do the preliminary interview before they go to the director. We ask met many questions, but one of the questions that's in my uh, questionnaire is, why, why do you want to be an actor? Very seldom do they say the money. Very seldom. They, they will answer, well, I've dreamed about it all my life. I like characters. I like I like performing. I have ideas in my mind that I feel I can express. And but they do say I do want fame. And I go, well, that's that, that's fine. And or I want my name out there. And that's and that's okay. But you have to have more reason than that. The passion is I can't live without it. I can't live without performing. I can't. Why do these actors that are multi, multi millionaires have five houses take that next movie? They're in the Sahara Desert dying for hours. Why do they do that? Because that's the truth. They are getting to the truth of the character. Acting is about truth, it's about getting to the truth. Once that moment happens, you want it over and over again. It's an addiction. My brother-in-law is is an actor. He's now he's a fine actor. He's a director, producer. He has a one-man show. He's brilliant. He's he's a character actor now. I mean, he's older. In fact, there's a story about he and his his co-host, who is as you know as old as he is, and they're driving out to one more show, one more show somewhere. And she said to him. And he, he lives close by with my darling sister. Uh, so why, why are we doing this, John? Why do we keep doing this? And she said, because I must. I must do this. I can't do anything else. That's, that's how passionate it is. And to have our teachers like that teaching, because he teaches as well. All of the teachers are like mm-hmm. that. They teach. They don't make you know their money from that. They do it because while they're teaching, they're learning. Every time they're setting up a scene, they keep learning. They keep, uh, you know, if you're not in a play, if you're not in a movie, if you're not in a TV series, you better be training. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way with modeling. I had, uh, 
I've had the mothers come in with their little girls, and I'll say, "Why do you? Why do you want to be a model?" I I had this one girl, and I won't mention the name, but I said, "Well, who's your favorite model?" And she she named a reality star, and I said, "Do you know that she's not a fashion model?" And she said, "Oh, she's not." You know, so and the mother said, "Well, I didn't know where that came from." That doesn't mean she's not going to get in class. You know, that doesn't mean that. It means that, and she she was young, so that that's not fair. These are the teenagers that are in class right now. Uh, what I have heard from, because I, I hired the makeup person for hair, I hired the photographer, I hired the incredible runway model that is teaching them. The girl at, at the front desk, she said, I cannot believe how these girls have grown just in these eight weeks, just in the last thing they did, Janine, was their headshot, their photo. And they had one of the, the top, you know, I, I brought her in from Houston, Nick, Nikki Winders. Gigi is an incredible makeup artist that is a makeup artist to the stars. She did their makeup. Carlotta is the model from Kim Dawson. They nurture these girls and they were, the girls are blossomed. They have blossomed. I cannot wait to see them in the fashion show. So we teach etiquette. Gee, really? We teach interpersonal. That's what I learned when I went to modeling school. I learned those things. It's passion. A writer, an actor, a filmmaker. You have to love the work. You have to love making movies. If you want to be a director, a producer, a screenwriter, an editor. If you want to be an actor, you have to love going after the truth. One of the most incredible moments that happens at, at KD Conservatory is watching an actor discovering the truth. Watch yeah, mm -hmm. move from his brain because when you come in, it's all in intellectual. Well, hello, I thought you were going to call me. Really? Do you believe that? Do you believe what I just said? And then when they when they go through, like so sometimes it happens first semester, they find it. Sometimes it doesn't happen till third semester. But what's the most amazing thing is when you are witness to it. Like you, you have seen them in a play and they were fine. They were fine. It's even more than that is when it happens to them at the same time the audience feels it. You know, mm -hmm. They're doing the thing and, and they're so engrossed in it. I've seen them. I don't see it that often because I don't have the opportunity anymore. I'm not there full time to watch them. They are, they, they're, you know, they go, they're shocked. They forget their line. They are in the moment. They're in that truth. There's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. It's an authenticity. Yeah, yes. Yes, it is. And that, and that's what an actor strives for. It's always what he strives for. The truth. Mm -hmm. Well, those sound like very wise words. How about writing a book? If you had a person next to you who is, <laughs> we'll go for, uh, let's say he, we'll go for a he this time. Let's say he really has, he's, has an interesting life or maybe he's overcome some, some major challenges and would like to write about it. What would be the first steps that you would uh, well, guide a person? I would say... Research material from successful writers. I have, I have books and books on how to write, uh, learn the value of play and how to give your permission to play in your uh, writing. Um, work on, you have to go to the library if you don't want to start buying all the books. I buy books continually. Uh, names of books that I I can give you that I study and go over all the time. Once you do that, then you understand a little bit about what it takes because then you'll read a little biography about a writer 
what the disciplines he has, which are sitting down and writing your story. Don't edit it as you're, when you're a new writer, don't worry about ed editing. That will come later. Uh, just worry about getting your thoughts down and, le and learn how to, you know, evoke your story. Learn how to use images. If you can just know why that moment was so important to you, write it down and uh, know why you want to tell the story. I, I, I want to tell this story. You know, it changes your, your whole life and your whole schedule. So you have to be ready to devote your, your time to that book. And uh, never listen to naysayers. Never listen to, why do you think you can write a book? It's just like, why do you think you can be an actor? Why do you think you can be a model? Why do you think you could write a book? Because you can, because you are unique, and we want to hear your story. So sit down and write it. If you've had an inkling to write, do it. You will go into a whole other world, and it will be so, so satisfying. If you want to do it, it's in your heart and just sit down and write and then you'll learn as you go along you're going to research you're going to find you're you're going to join a writing group they will edit with you i've been uh, i've been a member of two or three writing groups they you know mm -hmm. oh well i have to have i have to have something written for next week when i meet the group i can't be stupid so those kinds of things keep you going it's, and and it's fun. So then you find your people and that's, that's helps. I think that's an important point because I, I know for myself, whether it's like I'm playing the harp right now and life's busy. Yeah. And if I didn't have my lessons, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wouldn't play as much because there are other things that I need to do too. But when I know I'm like this afternoon, I have my lesson with Nancy and I feel really prepared and it feels really good. It really sucks to go to my lesson and say, I haven't oh, really I been know. practicing much these last I couple know. of weeks. You just cannot do that. I mean, you can't do that to yourself. That's that's the whole thing because you have to answer to yourself. Now. Right. Yeah. Right. But, well, good for you. You're playing the harp. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm really enjoying it. I'm working on some really nice pieces right now. Yeah. Um, I hope people are being inspired by what you've had to say, and I think that many will. Your book, once again, what's the name? The name, name of my book, yes, is called High Fashion, High Adventure. Okay, and when will it be available? It will be available after the first of, of the year. It should be available some, somewhere around January, early February. It will be available. Okay. I'm looking forward to reading it myself. Thank I think you it'll be so fun. much. Thank <laughs> you. And if people want to check out your, I know you have a website. Um, how can people go there? Find you. Yes, yes. And of course, I will get a ready for my book launch it's hmm. uh, a different kind it's all all about fashion which is great but I want to add to it for my book but please it's called um, what is it called no, it's, <laughs> it's your website honey <laughs> it's called Helen Martin style and image www.helenmartin my full name styleandimage.com Great. And I will also have a link to it on the website. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Well, this has been wonderful. I really appreciate your giving your time and sharing your story and uh, inspiring all of us to be more and go for our dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go for your dreams. It's been so much fun. It's such a pleasure being with you today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so oh. much. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I feel like I have a new friend. Yay. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Do you have one or two friends who would enjoy this conversation? Please share the love. It's my joy to be able to have interesting conversations with people who have knowledge and perspectives that can enrich our lives, and your help in getting the word out is greatly appreciated. I want to thank, once again, Helen Martin for generously giving her time and sharing her story. 
I found it to be very inspiring. And I know everyone has a dream of something that they would like to do, accomplish, and hopefully Helen has inspired you to, to take at least one new step forward towards that dream. You can subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Do you have a minute to leave a rating and a short review? That would be awesome. RealJanine.com, J-A-N-E-A-N, is the podcast website. There you will find links for my guests, show notes, and you can sign up for the email list. I send notices out only once or twice a month, so you won't get a lot in your inbox. And I include a yummy, healthy recipe each time. Thank you for listening. Take care and be well.